0: will last week we talked about Christ our life we used verse number chapter 1 verse 21 for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain and then I gave you the other uh, verses in Philippians where Philippians is really centered uh, around Christ and uh, all it's all really about Christ and who we are in him and then this morning I want to talk to you about Christ our mind and our thinking and that's here in in chapter two if you look over at chapter three and you look at verse number ten here's going to be next week's message and then the next week's message three ten that i may know him and and that's really as christ our goal to the issue of getting to know him and and to know everything about him and we'll spend some time there and then in chapter four and verse number thirteen i can do all things through christ which strengthened me, and that's that issue of Christ being our strength. This morning, I want to talk with you about Christ being our mind. And that's really in chapter 2 here in verse number 5, where he says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Uh, this is an interesting time of year, and it just kind of worked out this way, as we come now to the end of 2019, and we begin a new decade in the 2020s. And the, And this time of the year, I usually sit... I have been over the last the, the month here thinking about the past and looking to the future, things that, to do ministry-wise here coming next year. Uh, we'll have, I'll have more to say about that at the end of January at the State of the Assembly Address. But just different things coming up and would like to do, have you be a part of and everything. And as you begin to do that, for me anyway, set goals, look at things, You, you real quickly you kind of get pulled away from really Christ being our mind. And you start thinking and you get going, and that's really what the Lord's Table's all about. It's, it's a fellowship meal, but it's a meal designed to make you stop, think about who you are in Christ. You know, we have potlucks all the time, and, and, we, and we do, and we have a good time in them, but the Lord's Table is designed to make you stop, have a meal together as a family, make you stop and think about who He is and do this in remembrance of me till I come. And stuff like that. And that's really what, what's going on here in the passage. If you look at in, in chapter 2 here, verse number 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found and fashioned as a man, That is a great passage in the Bible. And it's a passage that begins to talk about who Jesus Christ really is. He is the original grace thinker. He's the, original, he's the guy that comes along and says, I'm going to be thinking about not myself, but about others. If you look there at verse 6, 7, and 8, verse 6, who being in the form of God thought, Notice that thought, thinking. He's thinking about this. Thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in the fashion as a man. He, what? Humbled. That's a thinking process. Humbles himself. He becomes obedient. That's a thinking process. Unto death, even the death of the cross. And what verse 6, 7, and 8 do is kind of amplify for you verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ. And it talks about the thinking process. Now, obviously, verse 5 has a context, because <laughs> there's four other verses before verse 5. And the thing is, is when we think about Christ, our mind, we're thinking about, and I'd like you to think about it being a thinking process, how to think down through about things. The context here, it really starts back up in verse 27 of chapter 1. So let's start there and just kind of read down, and let's just spend some time here looking at the context and what's happening. Only let your conversation, chapter 1, verse 27, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Notice, one thinking process here, one mind, one, striving together with one mind. We're working together, we're working in a newness here, in a oneness here. We're moving towards an object, we're moving towards a goal. We, we, you know, they always tell you set goals and, you know, write them down so, and then find somebody who will mentor you and hold you accountable to them and everything. And that's what he's doing. Hey, we have one goal here, folks, and it's to strive together for the faith of the gospel. Let's move that direction. You guys at Philippi, by the way, verse 28, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries, see, they had gotten off that one goal. They'd allowed adversaries, they've allowed trouble to come in to, to mess with their thinking, mess with their goal, mess with, hey, I want to, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. I'm living for him. Now I want to be thinking like he thinks. And I said last week, you know, have you ever thought about how Christ would, would what Christ would do as he sat and watched an Alabama football game? I t- we're talking about it. What would he do? He would sit there and watch. Now he's going to be right, which is root for Alabama. The other team would be rooting for the wrong team. See, he would be, what would he do? He would sit, th- what do you do? You sit there and watch it. He's with you. He's in you. He's going to do the same thing. Now, he doesn't have a, we were sitting last night watching the football games, and I really don't have one or the other team that I like. I, two of the teams I strongly dislike <laughs> But, you know, so it's whatever it is, it is. See, he wouldn't have that. He'd just sit and watch. He would root for the team you root for. Here's the thinking. Here's the mindset. Now, what happens in chapter 2, verse 1, is Paul, they've had an adversarial uh, trouble. They've come along, verse 29, for unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. So now they're suffering. They've got some attacks going on. And he says, listen, in chapter 2, verse 1, I want to show you, I want to explain to you, I want you to understand how to accomplish the goal of verse 27 of striving together for the faith of the gospel. How to have the one-mindedness. I want you to understand this, Philippi. I want you to understand this, you and I today, how to have that mindset that's going to win no matter what. The scenario, the situation, the circumstances of life are. You see, circumstances happen to everyone. How do I get through them? The things that happen to man, 1 Corinthians 10 over there, verse 13, are common to man. We had people, uh, I get a text this morning, hey, my car died. Guess what? That happens to everybody, doesn't it? It's not just because you're a believer and on your way to church that it dies. No, it happens to everyone. This past week, I put my truck in for service. Next week, I'll put the other car. Why? Because service does what? (laughs) Well, it doesn't stop it from dying. It really doesn't, but it's supposed to slow it down, you know. So the thing is, is when that happens, how am I thinking about that? Have him be my mindset. So notice. Now, the context here of the, of the people involved is a local assembly. And we need to remember that. As, as we stand in one mind, one thinking process, and think about things, we're doing this together. But you have to do this individually. Because the local assembly isn't the building. The church isn't the building. It's the people that are sitting in the building. And if you choose to think this way... And then I choose to think, now we're all thinking the same way. Okay? We will always all have different opinions because we are all different. We've had different raise- upbringings, we've had different influences over life. You'll have different things come into you, but we're all thinking about what? Him and where we're going. Verse 1, chapter 2, verse 1. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, Now, the if there is not a maybe or maybe not, but rather it's a challenge. Chapter 2, verse 1. It's like I would look at Ricky and say, if you're my son, then you wouldn't do that. Now, there's no doubt when you look at him, he's my son, okay? This morning we're sitting in the car and I said some things and my mom sitting in the back goes, boy, you're just like your dad. And, well, there's some inherited stuff there, (laughs) I'm I'm not always around dad. I only see him a couple times a year, but we just knew natural things because he's my dad. This This is a challenge. If there be any consolation in Christ. Is there consolation in Christ? Yes, there is. Okay. Therefore. This is what we just talked about up there in verse 27. The one mind and striving together and standing fast in one spirit. Therefore, if, uh, uh, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ. Consolation. Encouragement. If you hold here and flip back to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul has used this. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 3, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforted us in all our, what? Where are you going to get your comfort? Romans 15 says we get our comfort from the Scriptures. Who's the center figure of the Scriptures? The Lord Jesus Christ. So where are we going to get our comfort from? Who we are in Christ. You won't get it in your spouse. Sorry. You don't. You won't get it in your children. You just, you don't why? Cuz who's always going to be there for you? The Lord. the Lord is. All the everybody else drops the ball eventually. Disappoints you. I worked with a guy one time he said, "Rick, no expectations, no disappointments." And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, whatever." And then I realized what he was talking about, you know. Verse 4 who comfort us in all our tribulation, that, why does he comfort, why do we get our comfort from him? That we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ, whether... And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is the effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation. See how Paul says, guys, you want to see how this works, just look at me. (laughs) I'm your pattern. Now go back there to Philippians 2. When he talks about consolation, he's talking about encouragement. He's talking about getting through the issue. There's no no thing too big to be able to look at the Lord and say, okay, Lord, I need your help to get through that. And then let the Word work in you, and let the Word be what generates and controls your thinking. Back in Philippians 2, verse 1, if any comfort of love, you know, that's a wonderful thing. You are the object of God's love. The world doesn't love you. It doesn't. God commended his love toward us and not why we were yet sinners. What did Christ do? Died for you, Romans 5 eight. You see, folks, while the world doesn't accept you, doesn't love you, God does unconditionally. He comes along and he says... You're the object of my love. Because where are you? You're in my son. And because you're in my son, I love you. And I got some things for you. If any, fellowship of the spirit. Wow. Fellowship of the spirit. That reminds me of Ephesians 4. Flip, just flip back there. Ephesians 4. And verse number 1. Paul says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, Ephesians 4, 1, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long longsuffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. The fellowship of the Spirit, our partnership right here amongst ourselves. You know, we're, we've all been to Calvary. If you're saved today, you've been to Calvary. Those events at Calvary, the Spirit gets involved. First Corinthians 12, he takes you over and he baptizes you into the body. He places you into the, that is not a water baptism, that is a spirit baptism. He moves you from, from here to there. He says, now you're mine and I am yours. But we have a fellowship, don't we? We have a fellowship of the Spirit. We have a oneness there, don't we? Again, we can disagree, we can talk, you know, like I always say, if you want to be wrong, go right ahead and be wrong, that's fine. And we can go through all of that, but when it comes back to the center, what is it? It's who we are in Christ. And that fellowship of the Spirit comes in. Then he says in Philippians 2, I'm back in 2, verse 1, if any bowels and mercy, bowels, that inner recesses down deep inside you know that's really where caring for other people comes from the true caring for other people you know, you can come over here and do the superficial stuff and yeah yeah okay whatever but man to really get down deep inside of you the issue there is about taking care of one another so paul here he's just reminding you who you are in christ is what he's doing He's reminding you how He loves you and how His love is where your comfort is. Then He reminds us of the activity of the local assembly is that fellowship of the Spirit, working together, doing what God would have us do today as a local assembly. And one of those components is that issue of tenderness and caring for one another, deep down heartfelt, not just the show we go, show and go. You know, the old saying, fake it till you make it. Not talking about that. We're talking about really deep. So that activity in the local assembly. Then he says in verse 2 Fulfill ye my joy. Boy, here's what makes Paul happy. Here's my joy. Fulfill ye my joy. Paul says, man, when I look at you guys down there at Philippi, you're all scatterbrained. You're all over the place. I'm trying to get you back back underneath the the one spirit, the one mind, the striving, the working together. So fulfill ye my joy. Do what's going to make me happy. And look at what makes him happy. Send me a gift. No? Take out the garbage. Clean up your room vacuum the floor doesn't say that does it what does he say that ye be like-minded isn't that interesting like-minded one accord one spirit one mind think like the doctrine has taught you to think like we're in philippians we're not in Romans. We're in some advanced territory here. You need to get that doctrine into your inner man, and let's go think like that does. Let's think like verse 1. Let's have verse 1 be our thought process. Be like-minded. Having the same love. Oh, isn't that the supreme mark of of a, of a Christian life is that issue of Charity. Charity is the bond of perfectness, Colossians calls it. Paul tells Timothy that the end of the commandment is charity. But where do you get to charity, real charity? And by the way, charity in Scripture is not given to Salvation Army and all that, that stuff. That's not what the Scripture talks about charity. The Scripture, when it talks about charity, is talking about love in action, movement, going, working, looking at things and evaluating things and esteeming things the way God does and says, that's what the Lord wants done, that's what we're going to go do. And have that then begin to influence your interactions with one another rather than it just be a stale thing. Rather now it's a, it's a warm inviting, but it's genuine. Not put on, not, you know, not this facade stuff. And you see that in Christianity, don't you? You know, old Smiley gets going and you go, wow. And then you find out it's just an act. You know, the old over here, and it's just an act. Here, charity, simple love in action. You take, I think about this verse often. Come over to 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5. You think about charity, I always think about this verse, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse number 14. And I know you got 1 Corinthians 13 and you got the things about charity. By by the way, you you got 2 Corinthians, look over 1 Corinthians 13. Look at 1 Corinthians 13. I'll show you a verse where you can understand that charity is not giving to the poor and taking care of that. Should we do that and take care of that? Sure, if that's what you'd like to do, go knock yourself out, okay? Look at 1 Corinthians 13 and verse number 3. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not what? Charity. You see how Paul says, I've given everything to the poor, but I still don't have what? Charity. So charity isn't giving to the poor. The world, the definition in your dictionary says that's what it is. That's fine. Now come to 2 Corinthians 5. This is the verse I think about when I think about charity. There's some other verses, but this one is, is a good one. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us. Isn't that interesting? The love of Christ constraining you, moving you, motivating you, constrain, pick you up, bear hug you, and move you from A to B. There's charity. Simple love in action. The love of God controlling your life so that you're a giver of His goodness. So you're able to have that fellowship in the Spirit. By the way, finish reading that verse, because... Why does the love of Christ constrain you? Because we thus what? Judge. You with me? Judge, judgment, discernment, think about. That's not a rule where you're going to I judge you to You know in a court of law I was called on jury duty uh, a couple months ago. I well, I, I was a month long trial. We were supposed to do this. I got excused. Thanks for be, to being a bus driver, school bus driver <laughs> that got me off the hook. But the thing is is The judge sits there, and he's going to make some discernments, isn't he? He's going to make some rulings. But here the judge is thinking, how do I think about this? Because we thus judge, because we're going to think a certain way. How are we going to think? That if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all. Well, how are we thinking there? Everybody's sinners, right? He died for them all because all of them were dead. And that he died for all that they which live. So you got two classes of people there. You've got a dead class and a live class. Who would be alive? Those who are in Christ. Quickened. Good word. What do they do? Should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Go back to Philippians 2. If you're in Christ, how do you think about things? Man, I am so thrilled that he died for me. Made it available to me. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go live for him. And in the life that I live right here, right now, in the flesh, I'm going to live for him. So as I sit and watch the football game, or as I sit and cut the grass and do whatever you do, ride horses, I, I, I love the pictures, the riding the horses, you're going to, oh, sitting there doing nothing. Shoveling snow. No, okay, all right. Well, just wait, what did you say, a couple days and it's all melted. There are folks from Prescott, <laughs> I love that. Just wait, it'll melt, you know. Wh- whatever it is you're doing. Do it because he loved you. He died for you. Do it with the right mindset. See, folks, this is all mindset. Philippians 2. Watch the next verse. Verse 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Boy, strife and vainglory would be the flesh at work, wouldn't it? That would be not thinking properly, wouldn't it? That would be different than verse 2, where you're thinking... The way he thinks, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. By the way, the one accord, that's how you know the Lord would drive a Honda. There you go. There's the verse for you, okay? You, by the way, you know, you, you know the Lord's really a big baseball fan because of Genesis 1-1 in the beginning? In the big inning? Big, come. You know, it's really sad when you got to explain it. But anyway, okay, you, you, you know he promoted playing tennis? David served in Saul's court? Mm. Okay. Ooh, okay. Hey, I got a few more. I got to wake you up. We only got 15 more minutes here, so let's wake up. Okay? So you got to have some... You have to, Look, folks, the Lord has a sense of humor. You need one, too. Okay? The Lord made the platypus, and that's a sense of humor right there. Okay? But you need to have one. Why? Because life... I mean, this life in the flesh can get... It can get downright discouraging. We have got to have a sense of humor about this. But being serious about it at the same time. Lowliness of mind. Verse 3. Strife or vainglory. That's all activity of the flesh. Let's, let's set that aside. But in loneliness of mind. Folks, you don't, if you don't want to have the strife and the vainglory, you know what you need to have? A lowliness of mind. Esteeming others better than themselves. That's the outward working of a lowly mind. Paul says over there to the Romans, I, I don't want you to think more highly of yourself than you ought. Humbled, humble mind. Sober-minded, he calls it. Why? Because who really are you? You're just a sinner that he died for. Don't get too far away from that as we get up into the glory. Next year, next month, we'll start talking about glory and God's plan for the heavenly places and everything. Man, we get up in the skies and we go, oh, wow, look at what he's going to do with me. and And he says, hang on a minute, come back down here to reality. Lowliness of mine esteeming others. There it is, better than themselves. Verse 4, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Now, that isn't being a busybody. Everybody reads that verse, oh, don't be a busybody. He tells the Thessalonians, don't be a busybody. But he's not talking about being a busybody here. He's talking about esteeming others better than themselves. Looking around. You know that acronym, joy? The word joy, J equals who? Jesus, O is others. Why is you? So you begin to literally die for the bottom of the list. Lowliness of mind, not feebleness. But lowliness, thinking about others better than yourself. You look over there at what other people are doing. How can I help them? That's what he's talking about. You know what he's talking about being? A servant. That's what he's talking about being coming around and looking and saying, you know what? I can, let me, how can I help you? What can I do to help you? Let me serve you. Again, context is a local assembly. You can do this in your home. You should be doing it in your home. How can I be there for you in the role that I play? In a local assembly, in home, job, whatever. Because look at verse 5. This mind, let this mind, what mind? Esteeming others better than yourself, thinking about other people, thinking about being a servant, this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus thinking about other folks, thinking about others, serving others. Let this mind, let the mindset that Christ is going to have here as he decides to go and die at Calvary and do and function as who he is and and do the will of the Father and carry all of that out, have that, that mindset be what is in the local assembly, be in your life. Working together for the benefit of each other. Having this mindset. Now, you can't have the mindset of the next three verses. Only Christ can have these details in 6, 7, and 8. Because guess what? You ain't God. He was. But you can have the what? You can have the understanding of the first four verses because the first four verses are what gives him the mindset in verse 6, 7, and 8. What does he do in verse 6? Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Look at that. Was Jesus Christ God? Yes. He is Trinity. He is deity. People go, oh, how do you understand that? How do you understand the Godhead? But, well, he's, it's, the Godhead makes, is made up of three persons. You want to understand that? Are we all human in here today? I think the dog's next door, right? We're all human in here, right? Are we all different? You know that the Godhead, what makes up the Godhead, there's three people that make up the Godhead. Just as humanity, us in this room, the 50, 60 of us, make up what? Humanity. That's not hard to understand. you got to get your head out of the theology books. But he's also what? Man. He's the God-man. Now, that blows your mind even bigger. He is 100% man, but he's also 100% God. But what I want you to see in verse 6, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Come over with me to 2 Corinthians 8. There's an unselfishness here. By the Lord Jesus Christ in this second Corinthians eight, I gotta get there, that's that's being personified here, that's being brought out. 2 Corinthians 8. There's a wonderful verse in verse number 9. 2 Corinthians 8, verse number 9. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was, he was God. Yet for your sakes, humanity, he became what? Poor. See what he did? He thought it not robbery to be equal with God. It's no problem for me to be God. There's not an issue there. I am God. I am part of the Godhead. But you know what? There's something I need to do that's going to require me to become poor. Finish the verse. Yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. When he thought it not robbery to be equal with God, that's what he was thinking about. Flip real quick back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 16. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? Now look at the end of that verse. But we have the mind of Christ. Folks, come back to Philippians 2. You understand, when you begin to understand who you are in Christ and your identity in Christ, and that becomes the foundation that's going to begin to produce a thinking process in you that says, you know what, I am richer than rich according to the riches of His grace. In Christ, I am wealthy. I have all of this, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to come over here and I'm going to become a servant for others. I know who I am. But I know what needs to be done. And I'm going to do it genuinely. Not the fake it till you make it stuff. I'm going to do it because I have an understanding of who I am in Christ. And you know what he's going to become? My mind and my thinking process. Philippians 2, watch verse 7. But made himself of no reputation. When you make yourself of no reputation, you know what you say? I am not the issue you understand that you watch the people out there that are of reputation and then they become of no reputation you think about I know our president Trump you think about Trump you think about what he did in his in his citizen private citizen life billionaire when he became president he had to divide devoid himself of that didn't he he had to leave it sign it all over to family whatever but you know what? It never made him not a billionaire. He was—he's still a billionaire. He made himself of no reputation. That's the easiest illustration I can come up with. Okay, that you understand that. When he leaves office one day, guess what he becomes? What he's always been—a billionaire. He just now goes back into the private side. When the Lord says, "I." He says, being made himself of no reputation. He never stopped being God. He just said, I am not the issue now. The issue now is the word and the will of my Father. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, he looks at that cup of the wrath of the indignation of God that's going to fall on him on the cross, and he says, not my will, but thy will be done. And he says that after he's asked the Father, is there another way that this cup can pass by? And the father says, no, you're it. You agreed. Let's get it done. And he says what? Not my will, but thy will. I'm not the issue. Doing the word of the father, doing obeying the word of God is the issue. He took upon himself the form of a servant. Notice and was made in the likeness of men. Notice the form of the servant is before the likeness of men in the verse. Because a servant is, is a mindset. Being a servant and serving and doing is a mindset. It's a mindset of the Godhead. God the Father serves the Son, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the Father, the Son, the Father. They, they intricately serve one another. And promote each other. We don't have the time to run the verses. But in the verse, the form of a servant is first. Then the likeness of man. There he is. There's our humanity. He comes in. Then verse 8. And being found and fashioned as a man, he humbled himself. His unselfishness becomes the issue. Over there in the, in the Gospel of John, when we studied through it on Wednesday night, in the upper room, he sits and he washes the feet of the disciples. And they, they're like, no, 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 we'll do it, we'll do it. And he says, no, you need to see what a servant looks like. Now, those are paraphrase my words. Because in my kingdom, you're a servant. That's what we do. We don't rule in Lord like the Gentiles do in command, and all, but we serve. And you guys need to understand what a servant looks like. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. You know what the father told the son? You're going to go die. You're going to be buried. My word, my guarantee is on the third day I'm going to raise you. Because you're the kinsman redeemer. You're my son. When the Lord hangs on goes in before he's in the garden and he says, Not my will, but thy will, he knows the word of the Father. Is in the third day. What's he going to do? Resurrection. He became obedient. Obedient to the word of the Father. He became obedient to God's word. That's what he did. he says i'll go do that and when i do that that is the let this mind be in you which was also in christ jesus i'm going to obey god's word and the word of god to me jesus christ his son was that i had to go and die and do what needed to be done because i am israel's messiah Paul comes on the scene and says, you see all those events? Now that's what it means to you and I as the Gentiles, because look at what he changed the dispensation right here. Now he's going to the Gentiles, and we're doing this. And the heartbeat of it is the cross of Calvary. The center of it is the cross of Calvary. That's why Hebrews 10, quoting Isaiah, quoting Psalms, and says, and lo, in the volume of the book, it is written about who? Me, the Christ. Why? Because he absolute obedience to the word of the Father so what does, the Father, what does God the Father do verse 9 wherefore God watch what God the Father does also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus boy don't you understand why the religious people hate the name of Jesus of Nazareth they hate it why Because look at what God the Father did to it. He exalted him that at the knee, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. And just in case you don't understand what every knee is of things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth. Woo! Who's in heaven? Body of Christ. Church, the body of Christ, the angelic host. Who's on the earth? The nation of Israel, the believing Gentiles. What's going to happen in those two scenarios? He shows up, you're going to drop. Every knee is going to bow. But what's the things in beneath the earth? Ooh, there sits the lake of fire, folks. And what's going to happen in the lake of fire when he shows up? Now, we're, now, again, we're off. We're beyond the great white throne judgment here. We're in the new heaven and the new earth. What happens down there? They're going to drop to the knee. You see Game of Thrones? You guys like Game of Thrones? You like the crown, the royals? What do they do? They drop to the knee when the royals. You get whiplash, bowing your curtsy in. Why? Because who's here? Royalty. The one that humbled himself. He could have said, No, I'm not going to do that. But rather he said, yep, I'm going to go do that. And you know what the Father says? You're exalted. I'm going to exalt you. I'm going to take you and I'm going to place you at the head of the things in heaven, the church, the body of Christ, and the things on the earth, the nation of Israel, and the believing Gentiles, and even the people that sit down in the lake of fire are going to know who you are. And they're going to bow the knee. And you know what happens? You and I are to have the mindset that he had. They're not going to bow the knee to you like they are to him. But we can have the mindset that got to that point. Is God the Father going to exalt the church, the body of Christ? Yes, he is. As he takes us and places us into the heavenly places. And the heavens are going to rejoice. Over there in Revelation, he says the kingdom of our God is established in the heavens. It's there, there we are, and the earth eventually will have Israel placed, exalted, as who they are. But you know, we're not there yet, are we? We got to live right now. We're going to say a prayer and say amen. You're going to go home. You got the new year coming. You're going to do your thing, folks. I learned a long time ago, I can't tell you not to do something you're going to go do anyway. So you're going to go do it. Right? What do you do the next day? You get up and you go, you know what? I did that. We're We're in a new year. We're in 2020. Here we go. What are we going to do now in the future? I would encourage you to have Christ be your mind. I'd encourage you to come along and say, you know what? I need to kind of learn and understand who I am in Christ. I need to get that information into my inner man. I need to come and study the book, study the Word of God, rightly divided. I need to understand what that even means. I need to understand that I have God's Word in the King James Bible, period. That's where it is. And I need to understand why. I need to understand what's going on in the world around me when I see things happen, why it is this and why it Have you ever done something in a verse and it didn't work and you go, why isn't it working? I'm doing this, I'm in full faith and honor and respect of the word of God, and it isn't working. Maybe that's because God's not doing that today. And You need to understand that. I think we need to come along and take in some humbleness and some lowliness of mind. A servant's attitude, if you will. Begin to think about one another and have our focus be on him and his life living in us. You see, folks, life in Christ is a mental attitude issue. It's a thinking issue. But it's a mental attitude issue of faith that you're going to take in place in some sound doctrine. Come, One more verse, if you give me this. 1 Thessalonians 2. You see, folks, it isn't about going to church. I'll be honest with you. There's not a verse in that Bible that says you've got to go to church. But there are a bunch of verses that say you better study it, and you better live by it. We just gather together because we're all one (laughs) like-minded, and we enjoy that. We enjoy the fellowship. You know why there's a half hour between Sunday school and and church? It's called halftime. It's called fellowship. It's called get to know each other, rub up, because you know what's happening? Something might be going on in your life. You begin to talk to someone else, and guess what? Same thing's going on in their life. Or has gone on and they can say, you know what helped me was this verse. (laughs) Thinking about it this way. Looking at it this way. And you can go, wow. All right. Now I got a little help. And it saved me 100 bucks at the, the doctor's office. I'm serious. 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 13 ought to be a verse that you memorize. You ought to know it. Especially the end of it. Let me say it like that. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye receive the word of God. What would you receive? The word of God. These folks don't have a book written to them yet. Paul hasn't written one epistle, maybe Galatians. Thessalonians, I believe Thessalonians is the first book he wrote. And you know what he says? What you heard from me preaching and from Timothy preaching to you and Titus and the guys being there, you received it at which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men. Those folks knew instantly that it wasn't Paul just spewing human viewpoint. But as it is in truth, the what? The word of God. Now, you don't have to worry about hearing it from me. you got the book sitting in your lap. You can go to that word and say, hang on a second which, what, effectually worketh also in you that believe. And that walk of faith at the end of that verse is where it all hits. Life in Christ is taking the sound doctrine and believing it. And our focus is on Him living in us right now. He is our mind. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. There's a mindset there. And have that work in you effectually. Have an impact. Move you. Say, hang on a minute. I know, uh, you know, we're going to do this now. It doesn't mean you quit sleeping or eating or any of that. It just means, hey, you know what, we're going to go this route now in our thinking. In the things that we're going to be looking at. That's what we're doing here. The new year is here. Next week we'll look at the issue of him being our goal. What a goal to have in the new year is him. Having our life conformed to him, Having our situation, our thinking match his. So all all begins to get strung together here. <laughs> Again, we're all complete in Christ. We all stand in the all spiritual blessings equally. No one is higher than anybody else. I'm not any better off than you. But how we live it, believe it, put it into our life, becomes the issue. And I would pray for you that you'd set the goal to, hey, let's learn this. Let's look into it. I always tell people that are new to the Word or new to studying the Word, rightly divided, give it six months. Because it takes at least that long to get over the initial shock of what's going on. Give it six months. Stay with it. Study it. Because all of a sudden, you know what happens? His mind becomes your mind. Okay? All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. And above all, Lord, we just thank you for everything that we have in your son. And while we realize that a thank you is, doesn't seem to be enough... But it is all that you require. And Lord, I pray as the folks go and they think about today and they think about the future year coming, that they would do so with with some understanding on the doctrine and make decisions that are based on a servant's attitude and a thinking about who we are in you. We'll just give you the praise and the glory and the honor in everything that we say and do. In your name we pray. Amen.